pickaxe. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Chance of Cows podcast. We've been operating board game cafes around the UK for about six years now. From hen dues to family dues, from first dates to last dates, we've seen it all and recommended a board game for it. But now we're looking for a fresh situation, a fresh challenge, as you will. <laughs> Each week we'll invite a guest on who will come on with an abstract and absurd scenario. And it's up to us to figure out what that situation calls for and recommend a game that will totally check their ultimate mate. Ultimate wow. Ultimate, ultimate. Mega checkmate. Check their mate would have been great, but then you wow, just Wow, we should have really gone with that one. Yeah. Well, too well, bad. We can't rewind now. <laughs> uh, whichever game recommendation our guest loves the most will score a point. And at the end of the season, whoever has the most points will be scored the Titan Ooh. of Board Games. <laughs> Hello. Uh, I'm Richard Scarsbrook. I'm one of the co-founders of Chance Encounters. And I... I'm really, really into like main characters in 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 TV shows and various other bits, uh, mm-hmm. which means that whenever I play Pokemon, I have to have a Pikachu in my uh, party, <laughs> which also means I feel very bad when I inevitably power them up into a Raichu because uh, it's, it's a bit of a moral stain on my character, really. <laughs> that I, I I have to have the power. I'm like Pikachu. I had you for. I had you anyway. So I'm also joined with Ben this week. Hello, I'm Ben. I work with the Yogscast. I do streaming and board games. I'm a massive nerd. And um, wow, I, I, I have the courage of my convictions, sir. <laughs> if, I, if I was going to include a Pikachu in my party, he would stay a Pikachu <laughs> as the law demands. That's true. Fair enough. <laughs> I will hang my head in I'm shame. I'm very disappointed in you. I'm sorry. And our guest guru for the week is Russ. Hello, uh, it's me again, Russell. Uh, I work for Chance Encounters. Um, I do various things there. Um, But I um, always feel bad evolving my Pokemon because I've grown to love them as they are. Mm -hmm. And essentially, you're like just letting them change completely into a brand new sort of creature. And I just always feel really guilty about it. Does, does anyone else? I, feel... I don't think I like actually hate evolving them. I leave them the the main way, like the main sort of stage for as long as possible. I kind of get a Charmander so I can get a Charizard though. Yeah, but like cute Charmander, like it's you cute. can't you can't evolve one. that. <laughs> my um my boy actually was um so excited. He spent weeks and weeks and weeks trying to hunt down um a, um an Oddish. Yeah, and mm. finally got one. And after his first battle, it evolved into whatever. 
Oddish evolves into, and he was so upset. Oh, it was no. just like I've waited I, for so long for this little also, guy. Oddish and now is he's really gone. cute, and then you've got Gloom, who's just like really moody. <laughs> yeah. That's a like a, a analogy for a teenager. To be fair, oh, yeah, no. yeah. Oh no! And our guest this week is Matt. Hi. Hi, I'm Matt Thrower. Uh, I'm a, a board game journalist, and I have never played a Pokemon video game. Really? Um, the only Pokemon I know were Bulbasaur, so I continually went about that and drove my kids mad with it and, nice. uh, <laughs> until they named our dog after a Pokemon, Eevee. Oh, that's, that's really cute. That that's a great name. name. It's, it's a cute dog, um, but uh, so now my, my knowledge of Pokemon evolution has expanded to two. Well, <laughs> nice. technically... Seven, uh, so eight, right? Because it evolves into six different. Oh my god! Pokemon. Uh, I think. I don't think Matt knows how to evolve Eevee. I think that's the issue. Here. Is that right? No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I, I tried playing the Pikachu thing. No, it was the Eevee thing on the Switch. Yeah. Uh, oh, let's did, go. Didn't Eevee. get on with it. That's the one. Yeah. 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 Uh, didn't yeah. get on with it that well. So uh, sadly, that dropped by the wayside. But my kids love them. So. Oh, nice. Fair enough. Well, there you go. well thank you so much for joining us. My um, pleasure. It's been great. So, if anybody, you you you've done so many different board game columns. And various writings. It's been it's, you've got you've been very well rounded. So thank you so much for taking the time out to to come on here. It's very much my pleasure. Yeah, I, I've I've worked all all over the shop from the years from doing started out doing blog posts. Mm. Um, got a lucky break uh, with the iPad. Really, when when oh. board games first came to the iPad, there were people scrambling, you know, editors scrambling to look for writers, and and that's where I first got my uh, my toe in the door, as it were. Oh, cool! And um, I've just been lucky from there to you know take my work to a lot of different video game sites. You know, I, I feel it's it's a bit of a responsibility, really, because it's bringing tabletop to a bigger crowd, a wider yeah, crowd that are yeah. kind of primed for it to some degree, and uh, I love it. You know, yeah. I'm I'm really like an ambassador. I hope. Well, that's a bit <laughs> extolling. <laughs> virtues of the traditional tabletop yes a few less Ferrero Rocher but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but still very enjoyable so how long have you been into board games for then oh um a long long time I mean mm. I've always enjoyed board games since yeah. I was very small my my, my mum and dad liked board games uh, just traditional family games mm. but you know we played them uh, and then when I discovered Dungeons and Dragons when I was maybe 12 or 13 mm. um, the whole world of hobby board games just opened up in front of me like a a bounteous vista, <laughs> uh, and I took it from there, really. Oh, wicked. Well, uh, I, 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 I set you up, but is, do you have a, a scenario for us today? Well, I wanted to come up with something that had some vague real-world connotations, you know, something sure. that listeners could actually perhaps use one day to, okay. to, to escape from uh, a real-world uh, situation. So mm -hmm. what I was thinking of is, you know, where, where do people commonly trot out the idea of board games? It's to try and save themselves from a, a particularly dreary or politically embarrassing dinner party conversation. Sure. So that's what we're up to today. Ah, and uh, who, who are the guests at this uh, politically <laughs> difficult situation? Well, you know, everyone says they have a racist uncle. Okay, mm -hmm. you know, my uncle was lovely. Yeah, I, I hasten to add by that actually. But uh, you know, <laughs> let, let's imagine you know you've you've got that friend from Facebook or that elderly mm -hmm. relative here who's mm -hmm. who's uh, perhaps parted ways from you mm -hmm. since uh, since you were at school and uh, is now steering the conversation in awkward directions. Is this all like a, a Christmas situation where you've been forced to meet yeah. up? Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, how did you right. even get into that situation? Because mm. if there's anything I'm good at, it's avoiding being in close contact situations with people that I don't like. <laughs> well, that's what Christmas is all about. <laughs> being forced into close quarters with people you was, don't necessarily want to talk to. I always to. felt like really odd because there's this kind of common idea that people don't like being with their family at Christmas. But I love being Aww. with my family at Christmas. It's all very wholesome and nice. Well, so, 
Yeah, it's nice so, to know that that exists in the world. Yeah, <laughs> maybe here and awesome. And it's not just because like we don't like them, we just cut them out. <laughs> oh my God, you're like the Harfoots. You just leave them behind. No, Keep but on trucking. Just... If you can't carry your wagon. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, none of my family like um, playing board games, so I grew up really loving board games. And none of my family were prepared to play them, other than at Christmas oh, when we'd when they deigned to, to let me play or play with me Monopoly, which obviously I think is known. You're not the biggest fan of Monopoly, but you know um, it you would do, do what you can get. It right? would do, yeah, I'll take what I can get in those situations. <laughs> but yeah, I um, so yeah. Anyway, oh. I, I digress. <laughs> no, 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 it's interesting because Monopoly is Monopoly is such a whipping boy. Uh, you know, when mm. it comes to board conversations, and I, you know, controversially, I don't think it's that bad. Oh, I don't. I'd, I'd take it over nothing. You oh, know, yeah, absolutely. I'd... And I think you know, it's a it's a decent game. Um, it's not. It's just not one of my favourites, no. and I wouldn't ever want to play it again unless there was like kind of a really big twist on it. I know that they've probably Monopoly is probably the biggest guilty party and trying new things isn't it like have you seen how many variants they've got oh monopoly God, cheaters yeah. edition monopoly gamer monopoly, monopoly deal uh yeah there's so many and so i i have to give it credit for that that it has at least attempted to try and break out of the formula and try new stuff mm. but are you sure that's not just because they've gone oh we have a great ip Everybody knows Monopoly, so we're going to bring out another thing that's they instantly going to sell. Monopoly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Monopoly. But, the, yeah. but the thing is, they've already done that. If you think of a brand or a city or anything, like mm. they've created those versions of it. So yes, it's very guilty of um, abusing its IP and just putting it out everywhere. Mm-hmm. But they at least tried new stuff as well as that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, d- yeah. You know, they could have just stuck another Stranger Things Monopoly or like Rick and Morty Monopoly, which they've done. I'm sure they, they, have, they have done all those things. But they, they maybe. <laughs> They just ran out of IPs and like we need to do something else. I would love to know how many editions of Monopoly exist out there. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a good trivia question. I presume it would also be like localized. Like we won't know all the ones that are French Monopoly. Oh, of Monopoly. course. Yeah, there must be hundreds that are like non. Anyone that has a city or a town over, I don't know, two hundred thousand mm. people probably has a Monopoly version. You know, oh God, you know how going. people ha- are like um, get into collecting, and mm. um, you think board game would be an impossible thing to get into um, collecting wise because you know just know there's some that are out of print, and it would be almost impossible to get every board game that's ever been made. Mm. But I wonder if that's achievable with Monopoly. Oh, I'm sure there is someone who owns every edition mm. ever made. There's like a fanatical Monopoly fan yeah. out there. <laughs> um, but what if there was like, well, let's take this to the next level. Let's say like, could you make a game about? Making monopolies. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <Get> super meta. <laughs> yeah. Well, there is actually a game coming out. I think the Kickstarter is running sometime fairly soon um, from uh, from James Naylor, who did Magnate. I don't know. If oh yes, know. Oh. yeah. Um, and I can't remember what it is called now, which is bad. But it was originally called Board Games, the Board Game brackets, the card. Yes. Game. <laughs> uh, and um, the annoying it's... thing is, I'm pretty sure I know the new name. It's in here somewhere, but like, it's not coming to the because he changed it. He did. Development. He did. Yes. Um, but it's, it's it's exactly what you're saying. In some, not Monopoly, not focused on Monopoly, but it is yeah. a board game about the development uh, cycle. Of oh, it was games, only so. a matter of time before that happened. <laughs> yes. Because I'm sure everyone yeah. who's really into board games has thought about or prototyped their own board game or card game at some yes. point. I mean, there's, there's Essen, the convention is like, it's a really big, it's mm. somewhat of a mecca sometimes. If you're into hobbyist of board games and you, you want to go to a convention, you've probably heard of Essen. Mm. But there is, there's like, 
a board game of Essen where yeah. you're going around shopping <laughs> and various other. But you have to lay out all the different stalls and like. It has its own little map. I think it was like maybe <laughs> taken of a snapshot of one time in Essen. <laughs> right. It's I, I I looked at it about playing it and I was like. It's, this is kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, just because it would be bothering me if I was sitting watching. I think the game's called Game Jam. I'm okay, not 100% on that, but I think it's called Game Jam. But I don't know. might be wrong. Sorry, right. James. <laughs> I'm sure you'll go back. Have a have a Google for it and then put it in the comments. <laughs> yes, I will. I will. Do I think that. we've given people enough information to find it if they need to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just type in board game, the board game, the board game six times. Yeah. <laughs> into Google. But doesn't that summon Candyman? The <laughs> <laughs> Meeple Man. No! <laughs> <laughs> Google does have that thing, right? Where wherever you type in things, sometimes you'll t- type in like Space Invaders and then it'll come up with Space Invaders. Mm. Oh, yeah, there's some Easter eggs in there. Yeah, right? Oh, wow. Yeah, if you do type Candyman three times into <laughs> Google, there's like a jump scare come up on the screen to get you. So uh, back to back <laughs> this scenario. We've got a racist uncle. How many people are we playing this board game with? Well, let's say six. Six, six is a good people. number. It's, it's a good mm. number for dinner party and it's a good mm. number for uh, for a board game. Mm. Sort of like, you know, it keeps a lot of options can. open. Yeah. I mean, a lot of... I've noticed a lot of modern board games seem to cap it at four increasingly. Mm, yeah. I don't know why that is. Maybe yeah. it's maybe I, it's some balanced thing, but we'll go with six. Probably I, be I would guess dull. it's playtime. Maybe. I think it, a lot of people don't want to make like a two to three hour yeah. board game. They want to say it's, it's a one or two hour game and it's really hard to pull that off with six people. I think a lot of people want to make a two a three hour board game, but the publishers are like, please slow, please make it quicker than that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not going to sell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, every minute probably reduces the audience by like five percent. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I think there is a definite sweet spot because it, I, I find with games that are like really short, you, mm. it's like junk food. Mm. You know, it's, it's a throwaway. It doesn't satisfy. And there's a sense of epicness that you, you get from a game that, that verges into the two hour plus territory that you just mm. don't get. You know, it feels like mm. a moment. It feels like you've achieved something if you've won or, or taken part in something meaningful if you've lost, you know. Yeah. So, uh, it sticks with you, doesn't it? A playthrough yes, of like definitely. a three hour game. You yeah. remember the ups and downs more than just, oh yeah, we played five rounds of this 20 minute game and I guess yeah. I had fun. Yeah. I swore it would never happen when I was younger, but it's I'm getting increasingly more and more difficult at getting these, table, these games to the table. Because mm, I'm yeah. just like, I don't have the time. Who's learned the rules? No one's learned the rules. Well, I'm not going to learn the rules immediately right now. Let's just play small things. Oh, you, it's an hour and a half later. Now you have to leave. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that's true. This is why two to three hour games are just in that sweet spot, I think. That's yeah. So what are you, some of your favourite go-to longer games? The thing is that increasingly, I, as you say, I don't have time for longer games. Mm. Um, some games recently that I have brought to the table that I've really enjoyed are the, the new edition of Pax Pamir. That's very, very good. Ah, yes. Um... Uh, that that will wrap in two to three hours, I think, fairly regularly. Um, I've played uh, Wonderland's War. That's quite good. Oh, yeah. um, that's that's a, a new game that's come out a couple of months ago. It's one of the best ones I've seen this year. Really nice combination of kind of like area control and bag and building. Bag building, yes, that's mm-hmm. one. I like. I, I I really do quite like the whole da- deck building, bag building thing when it is attached to a board. Just the mm. cards? No, no, I'll, I'll, I'll give that mm. a pass. But when there's something spatial to do with it as well, okay. you know, I really enjoy those. How did how did the racist uncle get invited to a, a group of six people? Are there other people it's in Christmas. this? Christmas. You have to invite <laughs> the racist uncle. It's tradition. But presumably it's like maybe you, maybe your partner, maybe a 
kid or two and then and then racist uncle he's like why did <laughs> how did he get invited to this if it was like 20 25 people maybe i'd be ex- you know it'd be fine well, or- if you want me to get you to recommend board games for 20 25 people <laughs> yeah, if you want me to put that true maybe he's just recently got into facebook memes and he didn't used to be this racist <laughs> yeah, that's, that's terrifyingly plausible to be honest. <laughs> Just, I had to uh, explain to my mother that um, when when you f- share the Facebook, I don't give Facebook permission. Recently, I was like, "Mum, that's oh, no. that's not a thing." And no. she was just like, "Well, I was doing it just to be safe." And I was like, "Oh, I didn't realize that you." I feel so bad. Like, I think I think that's the kind of person I'd be worried about inviting to a dinner party. <laughs> yeah, so may- maybe my mum's a few years away from this situation. <laughs> And I can't, I can't not invite her to Christmas. <laughs> or if you did, it'd be very awkward. But then again, like that's that's the kind of situation mm. in which it is awkward. Oh, if you embarrass or you snub someone, yep. oh, at Christmas, it's going to be really awkward. But if that's the situation you're snubbing mm. them, then you're then you're scot free, right? Exactly. That's how it works. <laughs> it's fine. We're good for the rest of the year. <laughs> they'll be in salts for the whole of the time. It'll be it'll be okay. We won't get any contact from them. Um, oh. Okay, so we've got six people. Uh, mm-hmm. Are we mixture of ages? Yep, definitely. Uh, I think that goes without saying, given the scenario. Yep. Mm-hmm. How is how old is the youngest? Um. Oh. Well, actually, I'm tempted to go with my family, even mm-hmm. though I don't have any relatives. This is, I'm, I'm varying to dangerously personal. <laughs> yeah. here. So, so we'll go with the age of my youngest, which is twelve. Okay. Oh, okay. So they've got some. I mean, I'm imagining that growing up in your family, they they probably introduced the board games. Yes. So yes, there there are twelve, but really, it's a it's a fair game on pretty much any board game. Well, other than sort of like you know, campaign for North Africa, probably yes. <laughs> yeah, we never recommended that game. <laughs> yeah, what, what psychopath would recommend that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um with so i'm curious because uh i've always thought that if i was to have kids um i would definitely try and push them into playing board games but i think that because there's such a grand you know variety of board games out there and i feel like there there is something for everybody i don't think it would be a problem to get them into board games it's the same i've said i might have said this before but it's like when people say, oh, I don't like movies. Who says that? People say, I don't like horror movies or I don't mm. like big blockbuster movies, but they'll like the niche things. And I feel like that's the same with board games. So I've always thought it, ha- it would be easier to get sort of kids into board games. How did you find it? I mean, did you feel like you were, I mean, I love this hobby so much, but do I like really want to push this on my kids or do you feel like they took to it quite well? I- I've been very careful not to push it on my kids mm. um, because I know it's not something that everybody enjoys. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's there's definitely a, a, a strain of thought that thinks that board games are like work. You know, mm. it's like doing a spreadsheet all day and then you come home and do more spreadsheets. Um, <laughs> and, and that's fine. You know, everybody likes their own things. I, I, I'm, I don't really necessarily believe that it is for everybody. I mean, everybody mm. should have a go, you know, mm. but not everyone's going to take to it. So, no, I haven't pushed it very hard. But at the same time, it's something that kids take to very naturally. Mm-hmm. You know, play is very natural to them. I can remember introducing them to Dungeons and Dragons when they were far too young to properly understand the mm. rules. But they, the idea of playing a fantasy character is something they did every day mm. in the playground with their friends at school it was completely normal um and likewise when i, I remember a particular game when i, I was uh, play testing a war game um a napoleonic war game with all the little chits on the counter and, and it had um 
portraits of like Wellington and Napoleon and so on on the counter. And, and my, I, I'd left it out and I came in to find my kids were, had borrowed the, the counters because they liked them with the faces on them. And they were playing like a, a Candyland style board game from a magazine. <laughs> of, like, you know, Wellington and Napoleon. <laughs> Running around Racing. collecting gumdrops. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, you know, they, they just, it just, it's just very natural to them. And yeah. some games uh, that they really enjoyed when they were younger, King of Tokyo, they mm-hmm. took to very easily. We've mm. had lots of great times of King of Tokyo. Um, they liked some of the cooperative adventure games, the Dungeons and Dragons adventure system games, mm-hmm. like uh, Castle Ravenloft and um, Legend of Drizzt. Mm-hmm. Um, they really, really enjoyed because I could guide them a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, I was I wasn't really a, a games master because mm-hmm. um, I, I was uh, we were cooperating in the game. But mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's a really good way where you can just kind of tell them the rules they need to know yeah. and let them get on with it, and then introduce it gradually. So yeah, mm-hmm. there's the it's it's. Uh, there are games for everybody, and it's surprising what you can get away with, especially in cooperative games, in terms mm. of getting getting younger kids to play them. Definitely, mm. yeah, I, I totally agree with all of that. Um, my boy, uh, like we play, I played Root with my wife, but my um, I, we let the boy play, even though he's a bit young for Root. It's quite a complicated game, but I just let him be the vagabond. And it didn't. He was just having fun running around in the woods, randomly stabbing cats and looking for treasure. <laughs> mm. While um, you know, we, <laughs> my wife and I, were having like this massive war against each other. And he was just having fun being there and being involved. And he didn't need to know all the rules and why we were doing what we were doing. Um, it worked great. And then yeah, then afterwards he was like, "Can you leave it all set up?" And we're like, "Yeah." And he was just then playing his own make believe game with all the pieces. Oh, cool. Um, so I totally get it because really. those meeples in that game are fantastic. They're very yeah. cute. Got so much character for just a few lines. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's really good. Gone are the days of just square wooden tokens. Yeah, no. cubes. <laughs> Sorry. <You're right>. <laughs> <laughs> I've been well re- reprimanded there. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> But they are such visually appealing things, you know. This this is yeah. a key key part of the appeal of board games, and and kids love the toy factor, you know, and they do mm. look cool. But but it can it's quite interesting what you're saying there about that about somebody just doing their own thing in route with the vagabond because mm. I found. I have a you know other times where kids haven't quite understood the rules almost, or haven't quite understood the. Oh, I don't know the scenario of the game. They've actually proved to be quite interesting because it turns things on its head and, mm. and makes you look at a game with fresh eyes. I, I remember particularly one New Year's Eve. I was at a friend's house play, playing Battlestar Galactica. This oh, is some yeah. years ago, uh, and his kids um, were teenage, young teens at the time. Uh, and one of the players. Um, we all thought was a Cylon. So I was a human. We were convinced this player was a Cylon. Uh, and um, so we played, you know, accordingly, chucked him in the brig. I can't remember the details now. The end of the game, we lost, you know, <laughs> with the, the battle star went down in flames. You know, we all died. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and they revealed that they were, in fact, human. And they'd been playing as a Cylon because they thought it was more fun. <laughs> and, and at first, I was like, momentarily, I was actually quite angry. Yeah. Oh my God, well, you've sabotaged the whole game. You've been and playing then, wrong. Exactly. And the more I thought about it then, it's like, actually, that was a really cool experience. Mm. That was a really interesting take on the game. I had a great time, even mm. though it was like, you know, not, not, um, I didn't win, you know, and I, it wasn't played the way I expected it to. It didn't devalue the experience. In fact, quite the opposite. It mm. was fun and unusual, and I will remember that, you know, for the rest of my life. And it's it a cool. story you can bring up when you appear on podcasts. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yes, that's exactly why I did it. One of the best things about something like Battlestar Galactica, where it is a hard game, and even if everyone plays quote unquote correctly, um, you can still lose. Yes, but it's not about. Um, it's not about winning or losing that game. That game is very much about the story that develops over the course of the game and the highs and the lows and the lies and the the, the mistakes. And you, 
I don't remember how many games of that I've won or lost. I just remember the the experiences. And that's so hard. And a lot of games don't have that. No. I definitely remember the times I've lost that game. <laughs> bloody Cylons. <laughs> I tend to find games nowadays where I don't really necessarily care about winning or, or losing. I just care about playing my best game. Mm-hmm. And to a certain extent, like, if it's an engine builder or something like that, or like a bag builder or a deck builder or whatever, I just kind of like... I think this is a really interesting way. I wonder if I can I can mm. do well doing this own thing. Mm. Um, so I tend to find that to be like a, a a thing in my head. So when you're talking about whether you, you know you win or lose, you care about these experiences. I think you're right. I just care about mm. playing the game, enjoying it, having fun with other people, and not getting too bogged down. I had this uh, conversation with some friends recently, um, and I keep bringing it up, and I swear I'm right, but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> the whole idea of like wanting to win is important yes. it's an important factor if everybody in a game wants to win um that's the optimal uh way to play a game because without that if somebody is just um not contributing to the overall sort of like mm. i wouldn't say economy of the game it might not be the right term but mm-hmm. if if nobody is doing that then you're kind of not playing the game the way it's supposed to be played right so there is an element of like wanting to win being important but how important that is and Mm. obviously if you're if you're trying a new strategy as long as you are still with the goal like i should i should be trying to win here um like how do you feel about that because that can it depends on the game because in some games it can be very frustrating like you say with the internal economy if someone is like um i don't know let's say for example agricola Mm -hmm. someone's just taking all the wood and not actually using it or they have i don't know like um or someone's like letting someone else keep first player someone else has an opportunity to stop someone winning but they don't take it yeah do you know what i mean like yeah. where it, it kind of the game kind of mechanically falls apart if everyone's not acting in, in mm-hmm. the same way I, I, it's so, a hard one to explain without specific examples some games for example um require a player balancing element to it mm. and Catan is a good example right if you are um in the lead in Catan, um other players uh, should not be trading with you mm. um, or at least not giving you favorable trades mm-hmm. because that is a way to kind of offset that that player being in the lead. Yeah. Otherwise, if, they can snowball to victory with nothing to keep them yeah. in check. And obviously, there is luck in that, so it might not matter. But if you mm. are not trying to... Um, if, you're, if you're trying to, like... If you're not trying to prevent that player from winning, then that player is going to have an easier time of winning. Mm. Uh, sorry, playing the game and probably going to win. And so in that game, if the other players aren't actually um, trying to do that, it does impact the game. And that's just an example. But um, any game with a player balancing element to it, that's the kind of games where it's more um, of a problem if people aren't trying to win yeah. or... Um, Especially in games with um, fixed setup. So I don't know if mm. you've ever played either uh, Chaos in the Old World I have, or yeah. um, the Game of Thrones board game mm-hmm. with the fixed deployment. And you run into big problems where, like, if Greyjoys don't attack Lannisters, mm. then Lannisters are going to attack Baratheons. And the what one player decides to do in that game mm. has several knock-on effects on what, what all the other players can do. And there's, like, a what you should be doing. Mm. And I've actually found that... I can't enjoy playing those games anymore now because they feel so predetermined and i don't want to get into a position where i'm like no you're playing greyjoys you have to attack lannisters otherwise the mm. starks will do this and that sucks you that's not up, like a real sore point for me for <laughs> <laughs> game of thrones i literally i think it was just as before we started opening the cafe i had all my like i have like five friends so we had six people around the table i had to come up with something that was 
that we could all play. And I was like, I've heard of this Game of Thrones game. Let's play this game. And we had the same situation where it was a couple mm-hmm. who uh, were Dawn and uh, basically they were both on the south area. Mm. And they just they just slowly helped each themselves and worked themselves oh. up. And like for so long, I was so frustrated about this. And I basically, I've done the same thing as you. I've gone, I can no longer play these games unless I know we have these kind of mutual rules that's this going sort of on. established meta mm. of mm. like optimal play but then are you just playing by like flow chart at that point i don't know it's like but essentially they were playing and they were having fun and i have yeah. to remember that fundamentally if you're playing a board game you're playing with kids or you're playing with anyone you just need to have fun so mm. it is about the journey and i think it's a real it's a, such a learning experience for me even though i look back at that time and i was just like i got really annoyed because they then started talking like german with it to each other and so there wasn't really <gasps> this like conversations and then i later <laughs> played like twilight imperium and there was like a there was a conversation going on under the table on whatsapp etc and i was just like what is this game <laughs> so I've, I've learned that a you know what those games are probably not for me and secondly <laughs> i've just realized that it has to be i've got to just play what i want to play and then we'll work on that experience mm. and i don't want to force that on anyone else i just no. want to know going into it that i'll be like if i want a really hardcore board gamey game i'm going to invite these mm. people if i want mm. to just have fun for an evening not that you can't have fun the other way yeah no, but i think it's what you're expecting going in if yeah. you know it's going to be this cutthroat diplomatic like secret message game yeah if you're mentally prepared for that and that's what you want to do that time yeah. then that's great but if if you think you're just going to be doing dudes on a map and then mm. suddenly it turns into this like cutthroat political <laughs> wheeler dealer situation then because yeah in that situation the moment you realize that those two were going to be in a permanent alliance mm. all the other players should have you know formed a coalition against them yeah um, we, we... but that's really hard to achieve when you're not expecting it mm, exactly Talk. So uh, is is this the kind of board game that we have to expect the uh, the racist uncle to want to play or not to play? So, so we, we're now recommending Game of Thrones for a yeah. family Christmas <laughs> gathering. That way you can all gang up on one person. <laughs> this is to great, teach right? them a lesson. Exactly. <laughs> There's a hidden message here. Can you work it out? <laughs> Ooh, I wonder. <laughs> yes. Yikes. So um, what games don't you like? Hmm. I imagine you've played many stinkers mm. in your experience. Well, as a actually, no. I mean, I, I, I think that board games, unlike video games, and this is this is a key difference, is that there are very few and far between bad board games. Because when you sit down and play a bad board game, it's normally really obvious. Mm. There are a lot, far too many, and this is a whole subject area of mediocre board games. Board games that are fun but immediately forgettable. You know, mm. we, we are drowning in those, essentially. But I, I genuinely think bad board games are quite rare. Um, but? But nothing. <laughs> no, 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 nothing. It's, uh, you know, I was only thinking about, you know, games that I haven't enjoyed, and, and that's more of a, of, of a taste thing. Mm. Um, and But generally, there are there are very few games that, that I've strongly disliked. I think mm. most of those that, that I've taken against particularly tend to be longer heavier more complex euro games mm. uh, the stuff right at the top of the sort of like the strategy and and um and uh complexity tree i'll, I'll tolerate a lot of complexity in in a more interactive game um mm. but the the poster child i'm thinking of particularly here is le havre um a game which i i really really dislike um it's one of um dice tower tom vassal's favorite games I don't care. yeah no, it's just funny to see the like disparity between like someone's favorite game and yours is like no it's the worst yeah it's and, funny. i took against it so much to be honest that it just put me off that whole genre there, mm. I, I have not played many games of that style since 
Um, but uh, other than that, I'm I'm fairly open. You know, I I mm. like games. I like mm. the activity of play. I like the challenge um, and the interactivity of it. Uh, the other thing I don't. I mean, really fundamentally part of that is the player interaction thing mm-hmm. so um another genre of games i suppose i don't like very much is um a particular style of cooperative game um i can very much see the appeal of them unlike your longer euro games um but they're they're not for me that the ones where you've got what people tend to call like an alpha player or a quarterback mm. player where, where, okay. where there's that potential for one person to drive the yeah. whole thing um that can in, be frustrating yeah and, and i do tend to think those games are more common than people think i mean i would mm. absolutely include pandemic in that for example despite mm. its yep. raucous popularity mm. Mm. you just know who is going to be the alpha player in this group don't you it's the uncle and <laughs> <laughs> um, it's I, very hard for the person teaching the game to not accidentally slip into that yeah. role yeah. exactly yeah. exactly this, this is exactly it I, I really i started out when people talked about cooperative games um that that they didn't seem cooperative to me at all mm. because mm. one person kind of going no no you you move here you know you move there and um, that's not cooperative that's just following instructions and, and the key problem is people say well you know you need better friends or, or you, know, <laughs> you need uh, you know, less bossy friends or less racist uncles or whatever um but the the problem with it is that everyone's incentivized to follow the instructions because you can make a logical argument. It's a strategy yeah. game. Mm-hmm. You can make yeah. a logical argument to say, yeah, clearly you want to do this because you don't want there to be a, um, you know, an, an explosion of infections around Tokyo or something. Mm. You know, so everybody goes, oh yeah, actually we will do this because mm. clearly it's the most sensible thing yeah. to do. So you, there's not enough uncertainty in a lot of them, really. Yeah. Well, um, that's why like Battlestar Galactica works so well because it's essentially pandemic with a secret traitor, and yeah. so you never know if someone's just pouring honey in your ear and trying mm. to get you to do the worst thing imaginable <laughs> no i agree um I, I i i struggle with these kinds of games um but we've recommended before spirit island quite a lot because I, a... I do love spirit island just because of the sheer complexity of it mm. um means that you can't you can't even you can barely understand what you're doing let alone oh hang on your thing works completely differently but i'm going to try and tell you how to play your your character yeah. um i think the completely different system for each player really minimizes the quarterback i can't remember if i've been on the podcast when you've recommended that but Mm. i'm gonna say i'm not a huge fan of that game it is way on the complex end of of games and Mm. i love complicated games like that doesn't put me off at all i know you were saying earlier on about oh uh does anyone know the rules no oh we won't be learning this today (laughs) i'm like so strange in that i love learning new rules i guess that goes with the role of like being at the cafe being like head of games yeah (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. every time i come in i can be like can someone teach me all the game rules and i but i love teaching um you know rules um games as well um because it's almost I know that the rule book is there and it's kind of supposed to do that job for you, but I love optimizing how mm. to teach a game and like what's important, when to bring these things up mm-hmm. and how to do that. So I love that. But yeah, Spirit do you, do you Island people is... to like give you a feedback form at the end being like, can you just tell me where I can improve on this? Uh, this teach, please. I know I'm, I know I'm doing a good job. <laughs> I don't need a feedback. You don't get to this position without being pretty good at teaching games. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm not that um, arrogant as well. Um, no, but I found Spirit Island. I just, mm. I just didn't have a good time with the learning of the game. And there's so much to sort of like 
work out in terms of looking at the board and, and knowing what's going to happen and then just like the way the cards that they, they it just doesn't have like a I was so excited to play it, but then it just like fell flat for me. So oh, I'm sorry, Ben. Enough. No, no. Well, prob- everyone likes different yeah. things. And that's fine. I think I just, I got into it. Like someone taught me how to play it. I didn't have to learn myself. And I think that would have been harder mm. for sure. Mm. Um, someone and- taught me and it's actually someone I, um, uh, someone I live with now. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I have a, I have an interesting question because you obviously seem very pragmatic about your, your board game choices that you're, you almost see them on a slightly different level. What do you think of the board game geek, like hundred top hundred list kind mm. of thing? Do you feel that that reflects good quality board games? Do you think there's a sort of an element of hotness in it? What, what do you find any of the board games you actually like in the upper echelons of it? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I I I have played most of them. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them absolutely I agree with. Some of them I disagree with. Um, there are two big problems with that, taking that as sort of like a yardstick, mm. uh, one of which is it's become quite slow. Right. Um, mm. It's taken, I can remember back in the day uh, when games like Twilight Struggle and Agricola suddenly like bubbled to the top. Yeah. That was quite a fast process. Right. back then you know it, things, well, i do things, remember like puerto rico being there for like six it months was but what like i mean is year. when when agricola came out mm. got a lot of buzz within about six months i think it had come from almost nothing mm. to being close to the top if not the top i mean i don't remember the stats exactly mm. but you know mm. it was quite a quick process whereas now if you look at that there are very few games from the last couple of years in there because mm. simply it, uh, partly because of the volume of releases, I think. You know, mm-hmm. it's taking much longer yeah. for games to come to the top. So you do, I don't think it has... It's almost hotness-proof. It's almost anti-hotness. Right. <laughs> yeah. That actual It's like the 100. establishment. <laughs> yes. Um, and the other problem is, is that it's aligned very heavily with the Board Game Geek user taste, which, which yes. is not, I don't think, mm. aligned to the wider... Um, board yeah. game taste increasingly slowly perhaps it's becoming so yeah um but there definitely def- definitely biased towards more complex games yes. and and more sure. complex euro games you know mm. that 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 yeah i i hesitate to call them germanic games because i think that style is gone that's something that was popular in the 90s around about the 2000s i think it's different now mm. um some of those shibboleths that came with games like i don't know run high society have, have gone through the window but um uh, yeah, it's definitely skewed toward the, the the hobby end of the spectrum. I feel that's mm. such a shame because some of the best examples of game design can be found in like games with very simple rules. Mm. Uh, there's like a like a like a genius, uh, like a beautiful simplicity to it. Um, yeah. I just use an example of um, one of the one of my favorites sort of party style games being like just one, and even that it came out quite late uh you know it, fairly recently in the board game scene and yet it's a really clever game and you just can't believe that a game like that didn't exist before and someone's just found this like beautiful game in it and it's very easy to teach you can teach it in like two minutes and that's great but it would never get to the top of the, of the list because there's this as you said like an anti um fun party light filler gateway game kind of bias on the board game geek so yeah it's kind of a flawed system in that because people can't appreciate a game just because it's got fewer rules and yeah i think it's a shame it's like really the only place people look because it is i think it's very useful for what it is if you go in going you know what's the hot sort of heavy euro board game right now (laughs) then it's a great resource but yeah if you're looking at it for all board games then yeah it's gonna fall short do you guys um, use that because I mm. find myself not actually using that top 100 at I, all. I used to, but now I I 
I see so many um, games get overhyped. Mm. I think it's when Gloomhaven became the hottest thing of all time, mm. and I personally didn't enjoy Gloomhaven, um, that I realized people really love shiny miniatures and big Kickstarters, yeah. um, and it's got very little to, at this point to do with actual gameplay and more to do with hype and flash and that's when i stopped caring so much about interesting because i love that game but i not don't really care about miniatures don't really care about kickstarters <laughs> yeah. at all but i just love the game itself so it's kind of funny funny you say that it's an interesting one I, I similar to you i think when i got into board games and you know hotness was it had had a, more of a importance to me mm. that's when i cared more about it i honestly don't see that much other than to see mm. my beloved terraforming mars slowly decrease <laughs> down the, the rating as it were so you're just the like twilight struggle of terraforming mars <laughs> yeah. staying in the top 100 no. <laughs> yeah beyond that but I, I, gloomhaven I, I know i've talked about it before but it recently had a it was free on epic games as a digital edition mm. of it. Mm. uh so i was like Finally, I can give it its due. I've played the board game before and, you know, I, I owned it. I then sold it on and all the rest of it. But I, I thought, like, digital edition, it has to be the, the creme de la creme, basically. Because it, it felt like it was a board game that was designed for, mm. that was actually like a computer game. Yeah, because the, the the sort of bookkeeping is the worst part of the game. Exactly. And so automating that is a huge improvement. Yeah, oh, you're always going to forget to, like, wane some energy. That's, like, oh, that's yeah. it. Or, or there's a deck you didn't reshuffle or a card you meant to put in and didn't or mm. whatever. Turns out I didn't like it on digital either, so <laughs> I stand by that. I'm just not a big Gloomhaven fan. It's just not for me. I, I actually really like Gloomhaven, but I, I eventually got rid of my copy because, um, and I think it's relevant that you compare what you're saying, I think Jaws of the Lion is better. Oh, cool. Um, because it is, you know, it's this slimmed down version. It doesn't, mm. it isn't packed with miniatures. It isn't mm. packed with stuff. It has much less bookkeeping. Um, I mean, you know, they... they used to say they still do say that gloomhaven's got like a hundred hours of playtime in it who has a hundred hours of tabletop board game time <laughs> also, with the same and group? how much of that is building maps and shuffling yes, decks exactly <laughs> 60 70 hours <laughs> yes 100 hours of playtime with three hours of like it's 300 oh. hours of setup or something <laughs> like that. I'm searching through the box for individual cardboard <laughs> components to put on the map whereas yeah. whereas yours of the line you got the flip yeah you just got yeah. Book so much easier you can just get in there and play and i found it mm. so much more approachable for people and mm. it's got a um a scenario based like tutorial so it makes it easier to teach to people mm. um and i think the core system of gloomhaven is really solid mm -hmm. actually to, to go back to mm. what you're saying about um cooperative games i think it's really interesting i think personally what cooperative games really need is an element of uncertainty in, mm. in, in the player base because if you if you mm. put a lot of variety in the game itself a lot of dice, a lot of cards or whatever. I mean, that can be lots of fun. Arkham Horror, the original second edition, Arkham Horror is a good example. There's tons of stuff in there. It's really exciting, really fun to play. But you wonder how much strategy there is. You wonder how much um, you know your decisions are actually impacting the game. Mm. So I tend to go for co-ops that have some information where it's hidden or there's mm. players mm. that leave players pulling in different directions. Yeah. That's mm. what they really needed. And Gloomhaven is the ultimate example of that because everybody wants their own treasure. Yeah. Mm. To spend it that the, the key key thing in Gloomhaven is you're not allowed to share treasure. And so there are so many examples where the party's going to you, no, no, come on, play yeah. a card to yeah. take out that, you know, that last yeah. bandit or whatever. And you're thinking, mm, yeah, but I could capture a few gold pieces from yeah. my back yeah. pocket. Yeah. And I, mean, I love that about it. Your it's secret great. mission as well yes, is great. Yeah. Like, oh, well, actually, if I want to level up, I've got to be the first to open the door. Yeah. So I'm just going to yeah. go do it and let yeah. all monsters yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> they're not actually in. They're not actually in Jaws of the Lion, which is a bit of a shame. Oh, no, okay. but Wait, no, in Jaws of the Lion, the battle goals 
They are. They are there. But they're not. You, they're not secret, are they? You're talking about the character in the original ones. game. Yeah. yeah, you have those oh, things. Oh, that like, one. If I, oh, no, you're talking, no, you're talking about battle you goals. You have the personal. The like, battle goals, which are the ones that you say, like, oh, be, uh, defeat a monster with, mm, like, in one go and, and stuff like that. And the game under tips. five health or something. But then you're like talking that. about your your personal goal. Which... I was actually talking about the battle. Yeah, yeah. Goals. Oh, sorry, but, but I you're misunderstood. talking about the personal yeah. goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But they, but you also have the but, personal quests as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, I am known in my group of Gloomhaven for being the treasure chest guy. Um, <laughs> I will never leave one unopened, and I, it's kind of funny because. Um, uh, I I basically got all of the treasure chests, and there was one scenario um, where there was two treasure chests, mm-hmm. and I didn't get one, and my friend beat me to it and did a haha like, and then he l- opened up the book and checked what it was, <laughs> and it was a poison trap, <laughs> and I was like, well, there we go, there we go. That's what you get, yeah. <laughs> That's what you get mess with, when you mess with a treasure warrior. <laughs> Exactly what makes cooperative games worth playing. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's cooperation yeah. or, or lack of it. You know, that's that's what makes them I think, fun. I think I just have so many moments like that in Gloomhaven. But yeah, I'm really excited about Frosthaven as well. Um, going back to the scenario, like I, mm. I know we've um, kind of not really talked about it that much, and this has been great. But um, in terms of what is your like overall goal for for this game, what what do you want the goal to do? Do you want it to sort of like create a level of you know? harmony between the group or is it just a way to sort of distract I, I, I given what I've said about how I feel about cooperative games and, and interactive games it can't be harmony yeah. <laughs> yeah. it can't be harmony if, if I'm going to play yeah. it absolutely not harmony is the last thing I okay. want around a board game table um, definitely distraction so so we're thinking we're thinking either it's got to enliven a very dull conversation or get us away from topics that we really don't want to be talking about you know okay okay when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Cool. Let's recommend some board games. Uh, does anybody have a, a yearn to go first? I'll go first. Okay. I'll go first. Um, so, obviously, six players. Um, I thought, you know, you said something about being, I think, cooperative, cooperative games. We recommend them a lot. It's kind of like our go-to theme. But I think it's important in this context because you said... Um, like, I think even though you said, like, you know, have got these groups, different groups of people, and there's probably people of different skill levels and stuff. I wanted a game that is immediately playable and understandable, but there is like that element of you can argue over stuff, but you are ultimately trying to achieve the same goal. The game is called Last Message. Um, so this is a really clever game. Um, essentially, uh, you, one of you um, has been, I can't remember the setup to it, but one of you has been either, or seen someone committing a crime or something. Um, and basically you can't speak but you can draw. 
okay and the way that you're going to give the other players clue is in the form of drawing or like writing or drawing on this board which is like a grid of three by three so it's split up into like nine squares um what you're trying to do is at the beginning of the game you're going to select somebody on the on this kind of drawings and there's multiple drawings in the game which is like a scene if you think of like where's wally Mm -hmm. you know how they've got a scene with like loads of sort of similar looking people um and you need to pick one person and that's the one that you need to try and give the information towards now there's another player so you're working towards the goal of trying to um get your teammates on the other side of this sort of screen you're trying to get them to guess the correct person but there's somebody sitting next to you and they're working against you so you've got a certain amount of time i think it's 30 seconds to give as much information by writing on this kind of whiteboard kind of grid um like it clues to, to direct them towards the the right person right however after you're done each round, the player who is working against you gets to rub off a certain number of those squares um, before you get to show that board to the other players. So um, let's say you've written, oh, you know, um, the, the, the person was wearing like a green hat. So you might write green hat on it, but then the player, before they get to show it to you, they might rub out the bit that says green. And so they only get to see hat. Or you might draw, like in the scene, you might draw a specific geographical feature that's like, hey, it's there. Or maybe you put West down. So you're trying to give all these clues, but then the other player is going to eliminate some of it and it's not going to make much sense. So you then get to present that uh, message, the like a partially erased one to the other players and they're going to try and figure out which of these people now is the guilty party based on this sort of like partial information and there's a lot of discussion about the, at this point where what do we think that means oh maybe there's part of a word here um maybe that meant maybe that meant west but oh only oh, can see the s and the t maybe it's east instead so there's all of like trying to decipher exactly what the player meant when they're drawing so after i think it's like three or four rounds um each round the player gets to eliminate less of the board so i think in the first round um they get to eliminate uh, five or six squares so you are literally not working with much at all but then in the next round they only get to erase um you, you know starting with a fresh board again mm-hmm. and then they get to erase like only four this time and then the next round they only get to eliminate three so you are going to get closer and closer to the right um you know goal and you're going to have more information to work with but ultimately it's just a fun light silly kind of game which is cooperative to a degree because you have got that one person who's working against and maybe that could be the uncle you know put him in a position where he's like you know he is going to get his like angry uh angry moments out but he can't do anything other than just erase stuff on the board and don't give him the pen right <laughs> um but that's the game last message does does that make sense i hope i made it that makes kind of sense clear. Yeah. yeah i haven't played it i must say that's new to me yeah um, but but uh, i can see i can see the reasoning yeah i'm gonna wait to hear what everybody else suggests yeah, yeah of before, course uh... mm. Mm, okay um I'm probably going to recommend something a little heavier than is appropriate, but that's my wheelhouse. <laughs> so that's what I do. Um, I'm going to recommend um, uh, Captain Sonar. I don't know if you're familiar with. I'm not. No, these are both games I've, I've not played. Um, so this is um, a game that's obviously inspired by battleships, but takes it much further. Um, How can we add more rules? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so it's, it's, the idea is it's two submarines hunting each other in the ocean. Um, and you split into two teams. So in this scenario, it'd be three three people on each team. And it's the game is played in real time. There's no turn taking, and it's a lot of shouting. <laughs> <laughs> so um, essentially, there's uh, each person. It can go up to eight players, four in each submarine, and you each take a specific post. But there are rules for 
you know, less than eight players. So everyone has a job to do in the submarine. One person is um, like sort of navigating, and you have a you have a map like a battleship's grid, but it also has islands that you can't move through. So you've got to navigate your way through the islands, um, and the navigator is drawing their own path on this like dry wipe board. And every time they make a move, they have to announce their bearing. They go like north, east, southwest, and they draw their path of what the way they're going. And every time um, they call that out, there's two people listening to them. They've got their engineer on their own team and every time they make a move they have to like damage the submarine and they have to pick and as you the more you move the less systems work um, and you can only repair by surfacing so you've got a limited time and the engineer's got to manage okay well i guess for now we'll turn the sonar off and now we'll turn the torpedoes off and okay now we've really actually got a surface now and but on the other team you've got the sonar guy who's listening to the opposition's navigator and they're drawing all their moves on a piece of perspex that they're then, they don't know where the enemy sub started. So they're moving the perspex over the map and they're going, okay, well, he couldn't have started here because he would have gone through an island by this point. Mm-hmm. So they're constantly trying to find the position. And when the navigator on the other, sorry, the sonar guy on the other team is pretty sure they know where the enemy is, they call the weapons officer and they say, I'm pretty sure he's in like D6. Go, go, go. And they're like, okay, torpedo to D6. And then you pause the game. And the other team goes, oh, you know, does it hit you? If it's a direct hit, you take two damage. If it's a, like a partial hit, if it was near you, you take one damage. And they're like, no, okay, you didn't. we didn't get you. Go, go, go. And when you surface, you have to announce a certain amount of information. You have to, or the other team can launch like sonar decoys or drones. And they're like, okay, we're launching a drone in sector B. You have to tell us... Um, it's something along the lines of you have to give us two coordinates like a, a letter and a number, and one of them has to be true, but we don't know which one. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of deduction going on. There's a lot of like logic, but it's all quite frantic because as you're working it out, the sub is still moving. They're still calling out headings, and occasionally they'll have to stop to repair the sub, and when you repair it, you've got to, every member of the crew has to rub it out and draw a circle, and it's like a time-wasting process yeah, yeah. to yeah. give the other team a chance to be like, okay, they've, we've got to move, 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 move. We know exactly where they are because they've surfaced, and can they get their little job done before... They it's get to a tiny mini game as well, where they all, they have to draw the lines and it has to be within, and then they've got to do it. And you've got four of those to do, and you have to ha- like pass it down. You're all just like draw a line. No, no. You know how to do this. <laughs> get it within the lines. And then you have to pass it to the other team, and they, and have, they have to, to like, check it off and be like, "You've yeah, done yeah, that correctly." Yeah. I, I have played similar games like that. Uh, similar games like Space Alert and mm. um, yes. Space Cadet. They oh also my god, Space. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Those games stress me out. Oh yes, yeah. it is a stressful game, and it does require a certain level of like board game competency. I think for a mm. you know a total family member noob who's only played Monopoly, it's probably overwhelming. Um, but I'm going to assume your family is is fairly yeah. deep into board games. Um, and I think that the lack of turn taking really like makes it quite a frantic, fun yeah. party yeah. sort of atmosphere. Yeah. As long as no one's taking it too seriously, yes. it yeah. does require you to give both teams a little cut them some slack mm. because otherwise it can get quite heated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I I remember playing like my first game of that, and it was it was so much fun. It was it was kind it was crazy, and you're just shouting, and you get really into it. As yeah, well. you do. <laughs> it's like it's probably perfect for a Christmas situation because everyone's just willing to let go, and they've probably had one too many sherries. Mm-hmm. Yes, perfect. Well, good. Okay, uh, for the final recommendation, um, I have it's 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 two. Because I couldn't figure out which one I should recommend. 
Essentially, in the cafe, we have a we have a favorite board game that we like to play with large groups of people. It's called Hive Mind. However, oh, board, Big Potato have done a. <laughs> Uh, uh, like uh, a similar-ish game called Herd Mentality. Now, Herd Mentality is uh, it's kind of cleaner, um, but it feels slightly slightly less gamey. Um, I'll explain what it means, what it is in a second. But uh, but Hive Mind has it's a really weird theme. It's it's the idea <laughs> that you're like you're bumblebees and you're in the hive and you slowly get ostracized from the hive every time you get. Something wrong. And so the, the whole make the a whole, racist comment at the dinner exactly. table. <laughs> so the, the whole basis of this game <laughs> is that you are you're asking questions. So you'll each take it in turns to uh, say three things you'd find in the kitchen, for example. And then what will happen is everybody has their own little piece of paper, and on it they'll write the three things that they're going to find in the kitchen. So you might be like knife, fork, spoon, apron. Uh, blender something along those lines and what will happen is you're trying to get the most points and you get the most points by having the same word as everybody around the table so you might say fork and then you'll be like okay has anyone else got fork and you'll you'll ask everyone around and maybe three of you got fork you get three points so you always get one point even if you're on your own (laughs) so this is where in hive mind uh you do a round of of this situation you go around until everyone's answers has been uh said as it were and then you mark up see how many you've got and then you continue going on as it were onto the next round and next round it can kind of take as long as you want um it's a good way of shimmying the racist uncle into trying... If he wants to win the game, he's got to start thinking about it like other people. <laughs> or he'll slowly just get ostracized from the group. <laughs> so I think this is a great metaphor about what's going on. Now, herd mentality is very similar. Uh, it has the same sort of, like, ask questions, and then you uh, you have slightly less optionality with it, because with hive mind, it's like, here's five things that you could ask about. Whereas, hi- like, uh, with herd mentality, it's literally one question and you get a pink sheep with it and the person who gets sheep. a pink sh- it's no, a cow pink sheep. well <laughs> there you go it's a pink cow so what will happen is you get this like this this squeezy toy mm. that gets plonked in front of you if you're the only person in a round to be completely out of sync if you go in and be like well everybody has a a, a, a blender this is like a mincer or something, and then no one else has said mincer. Then you get this sh- this little little pink cow, and what will happen is you're the odd one out. You can't win as long as you have that, and it's basically a point scoring one. So I recommend both of them. If you're on the sort of lighter, you want this squeezy pink cow thing, then go for herd mentality. If you want to, you know, slowly ostracize someone from a beehive, then go for uh, hive mind. <laughs> it's really it's really good. They're both excellent games they work with six players um we play that quite a lot it means that you also get to do the asking of questions more frequently because that's kind of like that's one of the fun things right is when you're going oh what should i what should i ask people uh and sometimes you just you just make it up you don't even need you just want the board game so you can they have these cute little talking of like minis they have cute little like bees that they Beeples. just sit on me Beeples. Beeples. Yeah. Nice. um <laughs> And it's 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 just it's a fun fun family friendly thing. We've played it with like twenty people, just because you can absolutely do that. It takes a little while to do the scoring, but yep. if most people say spoon, then you're fine. <laughs> yeah, that's like the upper player count on that game. Twenty. I just decided like when did they decide to stop at twenty? Yeah. Oh, twenty one. No, it's no good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We tried it at a convention. It didn't work. <laughs> 
No, so uh, that's my recommendation. Um, mm, that's I'll, a good one. I guess I'll just go. I'll say Hive Mind because I have a sweet spot for it. Mm. But Herd Mentality is a, is a solid one. So. Do you have any questions for us about mm. the games? No, I think it's quite interesting. But I've not played any of them. Wow. Uh, so these, are, these are all new to me, and uh, which which is I kind of oh, makes it fairer because you know if I'd have played one, I would have I would have uh, perhaps had yeah. a, had a preference for it just because I'm I'm familiar with it. But mm. I'm you know having to recommend based on. Uh, based on what you've given me so it's, it's much more of a sales pitch yeah i was gonna say i'm not the best at selling one i'm more of a, like a describing the gameplay <laughs> maybe i can do it again so this is amazing <laughs> game <laughs> so would you want me to pick one or rank them Fe- Ooh. Feed- you could, yeah, feedback give us some feedback and then, top, and then just three. pick the <laughs> you, can, you can give feedback to russ on how well he did explaining the game <laughs> oh i've got a good idea of how all these games work i think everybody yeah. did a good job of explaining the games. I'll, I'll go around the table in, in well i'll rank them so so i'm afraid my my least likely pick is going to be hive mind um i've got I was to uh, so so I'm, thought this was a great one I was like, I, i'm not saying i understand your reason i'm not saying it's a bad game mm-hmm. or anything like that but my, my concerns of it are i sounds to me like a game that works better with quite a lot of players and we've only got six uh, and the second thing that that i'm thinking about is it sounds quite a lot like just one um in some respect, yeah, you know, and and I we've played that quite a lot already. You sure, know, that mm. that's quite a well-known game. So, so what so. you would say is that if if just one had just come out, you would, you might have played that in the scenario, but you've played it too many times. Yes, it was mm. too good. It was too good. That's what I heard. <laughs> yeah, that's what I heard too. <laughs> um, so so yeah, I'm sorry, but it does sound fun. You know, I'm I may well check check these games out. You cool. know, uh, come to the board game cafe, give them, give them a go. try. Um, my second place, and of course, this is obviously going to decide the winner is. Is Captain Sonar, oh. um, and to be honest, if I was going to pick a game for myself, mm-hmm. I would pick Captain Sonar. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds really good fun. I've had a great time playing games like Space Alert. I think real-time games broadly are a bit underused. Mm-hmm. Um, I've played one recently called Vengeance, a Roland Fight Vengeance, oh, yes. Roland Fight, which is yeah. which is you know I've been, really been enjoying that. That's on my table at the moment. Family's been having a good time with it, mm-hmm. um, so uh, so I would definitely go for that if it was for me. Mm-hmm. But my big concern for that, I think, as you mentioned, is just teaching it, teaching mm-hmm. it to a, a potentially wider crowd. You know, mm-hmm. including maybe younger kids and, and older people who might not get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, which makes the winner last message um, <laughs> because I really like the idea. I've no, I can't think of another game that does that i really love the idea of having a communication of some kind mm. you know be it words or messages and then having that having rubbed it out you've got to think about yeah. how do i stretch this yeah. across the grid how yeah. do i make this as as erase proof as possible and then yeah. turning on its head the person who's got to do the erasing um has to, has, has to try and think yeah. about how they can sabotage it best and i i really like that dynamic i'm, I'm a mm. big fan of games that you know, I, uh, of what you might call semi-cooperative games, mm. where you, you're some of you are working together, but somebody's working against the group, and mm. uh, so that really appeals to me. And it sounds easy to understand. You explained it well, and I think that would go down very well. Phew. Really like that. I have, to, I have to big in myself up on the explaining. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations, Russell. Yeah, well, good job. Done. Thanks. Yeah, well. I'm happy with that. Nice. Yeah, it's a really great game to be fair. Um, yeah, I've played it a couple of times at a convention, and you know it is it is fun being in the seat of drawing the thing. You aren't allowed to write the same word twice. I should have probably mentioned that as a rule. Mm. Um, but yeah, having to think like how can I get as much information into as many squares as possible in thirty seconds or so, and then obviously knowing that some of it's just going to get erased, mm. but it's just 
it's fun being in that position. It's fun being in the sort of like deducing what they mean. Like how, what did they mean when they, what is that part of? That's really, it's just a really good game. So I'm really glad. Yeah, I'm yeah. definitely going to check it out. It sounds mm. really good fun. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's my much appreciated. Thank um, you very much for inviting me. Yeah, Where you. can people find you? Um, well, my, uh, I write all over the place. Um, you know, you can find my articles on IGN. You can find them on Games Radar. You can find them on Dicebreaker on T3. Um, you, If you're on social media, I don't do anything really apart from Twitter, mm-hmm. um, which I'm on far too much, <laughs> where I do far Aren't too much all? politics. <laughs> yes, indeed, as well as board games. So be prepared for that. But my tag is M-A-T-T-T-H-R. So Matt. Nice. Well, thank you, thank you so much. Mm. Um, Thank you for for watching this. This is actually the the season finale, as it were, the end of the season. So be sure to tune in next week to find out who could possibly have won. Yeah, Um, we'll have a roundtable next week where we'll get uh, Dicky back in and we'll talk about some of our favourite picks over the season. Exactly. Um, And thank you. Make sure that you, if you're watching the YouTube video, to like and subscribe, and also check out the podcast on the audio form wherever you listen to your podcasts if you are already listening to the podcast please leave a five-star review in app and tell some friends about it because that is the best way to grow um if you hate the podcast that's fine why are you still here (laughs) (laughs) and we'll see you next time thank you bye